0: If I could have all the youth, anybody that wants to come forward, all the kids, come on up. All right, so we're going to try to use the board here as best as we can. Well, good morning. You all look scared like I'm about to, no bricks today, I promise, no bricks today. Those of you here last week. So is anyone like looking to see a movie right now? Anyone? Anyone? What movies are you guys hoping to see? Um, I guess Star Wars. Okay. The new Star Wars? Okay. How about you, Jairus? Alvin. Um, we'll just say Road. Any other movies? Go ahead. Movie, Rosie. Cinderella, the new one. Yeah, that looks like it might be a cool one. I have no clue if that's spelled right. Not. I'm a boy. Sorry. <laughs> all right. So let's let's talk about Alvin, because I don't want to give any spoilers because I know I'd probably be shot if I talked about that one at all and gave that one up. And I don't know enough about Cinderella to have a conversation about that one, but I know enough about Alvin the Chipmunks because I have one that likes it. So, so. What have we, what, why are we excited to go see Alvin and Chipmunks? There's only one really here, but anyone else excited about it or have any interest in the movie at all? No, so why are we excited to go see movies? Let's just go that way. Okay, so we, so we like the style. We'll call it style, so. It's a great word, but we'll use a little bit simpler one for everybody. So we like the style there, and how about you, Tam? The storyline, okay, beautiful. And how do we know all this stuff? What do they do to us to get us interested in the style or the type of cinematography or the type of way they shoot it a storyline? What do they do to us? They show, preview. Oh. they show us a preview, right? They kind of tell us, and what's that preview do to us? Go ahead, Tavin. Yeah, it excites us and entices us. Okay, so I'm not going to tell anything about the Star Wars movie, but I can tell you, I, I grew up in Star Wars. And so when they started showing the previews and the little snippets here and little snippets there, man, I could like feel myself like, I really want to go see this movie. Right? They, they excite us. They get us wanting it. Now what happens when we see the movie? We're expecting to see what we saw in the preview, Right? And we talked about how that got smeared for the Hebrews last week, about how all the prophecies, they they thought they were going to see something else, a king who was going to come in and conquer. They thought they were going to see a movie that they knew what it was going to be, but they had misunderstood the preview. Well, today we're going to talk a little bit about how when we see a movie, we get the preview and the preview lines up with it. Well, today we're going to talk about how the prophecies line up with who Jesus was and why we see him for what it is. So as we talk about this today, we've got to realize that what was told or foretold in this case is actually what happened. It's it's not story. It's not mythical. It is true. All right. No matter what everybody around us wants to tell us is that it is true. That's why we recorded it. That's why we have it. We'll talk about why we have trust in that. And so I want to thank you guys for coming up and sharing a little bit about what you're interested in seeing in Christmas. I hope you guys all get to go see your movies. Um, I know that's, that's always a fun thing to do during Christmas break. So thank you very much. Go have a seat. So we are going to be all over Scripture today. <laughs> yeah, that's a good thing. Um, I'll, I'll try to slow down. I didn't mark my stuff so it takes me a little bit longer to get to it versus how I normally cheat and put my little markers in there so I can find stuff real quick. But just like a movie with the preview, we have prophecy in the Old Testament. That prophecy pointed to a Savior that was going to come to, to save God's chosen people, but not just God's chosen people, but as we'll see, all the nations, all the people of all the world. The thing with the preview was, is it was a little bit more vague than what we see. See, we actually see clips of what is to come inside movies. So for those of us who are big Star Wars fans or big Alvin and Chipmunk fans, we can see a piece of the movie and so we know what to expect and we know that it is what we've been expecting because when we see the movie, we see that exactly as it is. Unfortunately, prophecy, it wasn't always necessarily that way. It gave clues or indications or told of certain things and we're going to handle the concrete things today, the, the things that prophecy said would happen in order for us to know who Jesus Christ was, that he was the Savior. Along with all that is the fact that we have to take away our mind for a second and read just the words from both Old and New Testament so that we don't cloud what we're supposed to see. We talked about that last week. How many people have, who haven't seen a movie that they want have already started to have conceptions or concepts of what that movie is going to be? Yeah, sometimes we can hype up a movie so much from just a couple seconds of little excerpts from it that when we go to see it, we're actually disappointed even though it was a really good movie. We talked about that with the brick, right? The Kids had thought maybe it was a bag full of candy or a bag full of gold coins or something like that and they turned out to be a brick. It didn't turn out, but it wasn't that the brick was bad. It just wasn't what they expected. They had put too much excitement into something that wasn't. And so when it came, the good that it was was no longer noticeable to them. Well, that's kind of what we want to make sure we aren't doing as we go into Christmas this year. We turn to Genesis 17, 7 and 8. Please stand. It'll be a short standing, but... This is God speaking to Abraham. And I will make you exceedingly, f- oh sorry, seven. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. And also, I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger. And all the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Let's pray real quick. Lord, we ask that you show us who you clearly are so that we may tell those around us, that we may witness to those around us so that they may know you for who you are, who you've shown yourself to be. When Paul talks about dying to self and, and becoming that living sacrifice, it's so that we can be fully and completely what you will us to be, Lord. We ask this most definitely when we speak of who you are is that it's crystal clear to who you are and not what we want to make you be. Lord God, we pray this in your holy name. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Here we have the first covenant that we hear of a a Savior that is to come, the the blessing of all nations, a, a great person that will unite. Now it's a foreshadowing. It's just light here in Genesis 17 but if we read Genesis 17:19 then God said no Sarah your wife shall bear you a son and you shall call his name Isaac and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him so here now God is saying that through Abraham and Isaac through this will come a savior will come all blessing to all people an everlasting covenant that will never be broken between God and those who choose to follow him. These are the first prophecies that we get of who the Messiah is going to be, who to be looking for. It's a lineage thing. We wonder why lineage is so important. I mean, all of us can probably track some of our family tree back a ways, some of us further than others. In certain cultures, they maintain it. If you ever go to an Arab country and you ask for a name, an official name, it'll have like 50 names attached to it because they track their lineage so closely. It's a very important thing to them in most of the countries. For us, it's a little bit different because we have surnames versus front names or or proper names. And that surname carries us and assigns us to a, a family. If we read in Genesis 28, 14, we start seeing a little bit more clue on this. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and the south, and in you and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Here's this promise that God is going to bless all people through the seed of Jacob, through the seed of Isaac, through the seed of Abraham. Finally, in Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, we had that last week. Like I said, we're going to be doing a lot of flipping today. So, Last week we read this also. But for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over the kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward even forever and the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Here's the final one that we're going to look at on the Old Testament side. It was that through David, seed. Through his lineage, they would see their Savior. This would be the child that would be born to them. This would be the promise of the coming Messiah and we would look in this area to see it. We wouldn't look to the house of Leviticus or the Levites. We wouldn't look to the Benjamites. We wouldn't look to all these other houses and all these other tribes. We were told that we were to look to Judah. We were told to look in the lineage of David himself to narrow it down so we didn't have to look across the broad span of all the people that were sitting in the planet at the time, or even all of the Israelites. We were given very specific directions to watch for. We continue to read in Old Testament, there's some other prophecies that specifically have been charted. Isaiah 7, so flip back a page or two, 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. I don't know about you guys, but a virgin birth is pretty specific, isn't it? I don't know. Anybody in here from one of those? Yeah. We understand that, right? This is a very specific thing to be looking for. This is a a, a finite point, highlight, easy to see, easy to understand for what it is. Fact that we're to call, to look for, to, to reach out, to see. We go on Micah five two. Again, we read this one last week. There's a reason we're doing that. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, through you are little, or though you are little among the thousands of Judah. Yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from, an old, from of old, from everlasting. This concept that not only are we looking for a virgin birth, but a virgin birth in Bethlehem, of all places. Bethlehem's a small little community. It shouldn't be hard to see this. There shouldn't be hundreds of these virgin births going on in Bethlehem for us to have to sort through to find it. So now not only do we understand that in Bethlehem we're to look for a virgin and and the baby is supposed to be descended from David, into Jacob, into Isaac, up and into Abraham, to be the blessing to all the nations. Are we getting pretty specific now? Is this something that we could track nowadays, even? Very easily. Very easily. The reason we're using some of the same scripture we talked about last week where it was confusing. It's because it's not confusing. The message is simple. You just simply read the words and look for what God told us to look for. Final one that we see inside the Christmas narrative Psalm 72 10 and 11. The kings of Tarshish and of the Isles, or the Islands, will bring presents. The kings of Sheba and Seba will offer gifts. Yes, all kings shall fall down before him. All nations shall serve him. So, okay, let's do this. Through Abraham, into Isaac, into Jacob, into David, through a virgin birth in the small village of Bethlehem, There will be born a baby who kings from distant lands will come and kneel before and bring gifts to honor and worship him for who he is, Emmanuel, God on earth. This isn't rocket science. This isn't hard things to understand. In fact, when we pull out and we look at it this way, it becomes very crystal clear to see exactly that God's prophecies We're so simplistic so that all could understand them. The problem that we derive is, is when we start reading it, we start saying, well, this is going to be a great king and this great king is going to be, well, then we start adding to it. He's going to be a conquering king. He's going to come with power. He's going to come and devastate those who are against us. He's going to do all these things that the Hebrews did. And they shifted As we talked last week about how what they were told to look for became what they wanted to see instead of what they got. But when we break it down to what prophecy, and I'm talking just the birth side of prophecy, there's a lot of other prophecies that we cover all the rest of the year about how Jesus healed and how the Messiah was called to be a healer, how he would come to be a conquering king, and how we see that as he conquers sin all those prophecies we aren't going to cover here because this is Christmas time and we want to concentrate and be able to witness to those around us with directness to sit there and say, here, this is the story and it's a simple one to understand. So through a lineage that was foretold by a virgin birth and a small little community that would be easy to count and see what was going on and everybody would know what was going on and to be recognized by foreign non-Israelites as a king, as the Messiah. I always found that really interesting. These weren't other kingdom people from right around. These were far off kings who didn't believe in the one God. They believed in many gods. They did things like sought, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like through sorcery sought information or through um, palm readers and psalmists and things of these, these weren't people who were believers of the one true God. But yet, even in their communities, hundreds and thousands of miles away, there was enough about the coming of the Messiah that they were able to predict and come before a manger. Are we starting to talk about some pretty miraculous things? But they're all easy to trace. Now how do we know this? How do we know that this is what came? Well, that's where we move into New Testament. If we turn to Matthew 1, 1 through 6, it actually goes all the way through 18, but we're just going to cover 1 through 6. Actually, I think we'll just probably read verse 1. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Okay. Jesus when you track all the way through 18 you see exactly how all the names that were mentioned in the prophecy of the Old Testament that were foretold by God to Abraham the promise that came through Isaac into Jacob into David we see right here in scripture. Every last name Fourteen generations, fourteen generations, fourteen generations highlighted by these names that we were told to look for. Why do you think Matthew puts it in his gospel? So that all people would know for eternity until the end times returned and everyone would know who God is then at that point. So that we could come back and sit there and say, well here, we can read Old Testament prophecy and we can see how it was answered here in the New Testament." Jesus was born of a virgin. We'll go to Luke for a little bit different way of hearing it. Luke 1, 26 through 35. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice! Excuse me, rejoice! Highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she she was troubled at his sayings and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel said, Answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also, the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Here we have numerous prophecies mentioned, but the birth to a virgin who has not known a man yet. That he'll come through the lineage of David and be seated on the throne over all of Israel. We're starting to answer each and every one of the prophecies that was given to us. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. We'll go ahead and flip back to Matt 2 1. Matthew 2 1. Inside your bulletins and up on the board, you can see there's multiple scriptures that cover these stories. Four through seven in chapter two. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, I'm sorry, I didn't go back far enough. There we go. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judah, for this it is written by the prophet. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined <coughs> me—determined from them what time the star appeared. goes on to talk about some bad things that King Herod tried to do to overcome Christ being born. But here he is being born in Bethlehem. If that's not enough, we read in the testimony of Matthew 2, 1-11, the whole story. But we hear about these wise men. He talks to him. and he says, He sent them to Bethlehem, continuing on in 8, and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may also come and worship him. gold, frankincense, mirth. We have a child born of a virgin in the little community of Bethlehem who derives from the lineage of King David's throne where kings and wise men from distances far away came, kneeled before and worshipped him and presented him with gifts. Every prophecy of the Old Testament that was given of who to look for and what to look for Is met in Jesus Christ. He's the only man that has ever had all of it put together. And we can continue to say that because the Jewish population continues to wait for their Messiah. They are looking for a conquering king who will bring them and put them above all things. Unfortunately, 2,000 plus years ago, they missed the conquering king who came to defeat Satan and sin, the true enemies of us. A few important points that we need to take in on all this. When we look at the Old Testament prophecies, the scriptures date from about 3000 B.C. up to about seven, or 300 B.C. with 700 B.C. being Isaiah. That's 3,000 years worth of prophecy wrote by numerous authors and passed down through numerous generations. This isn't some book that was tossed together by a single author, but many coming together and seeing and hearing and continuing to deliver the prophecy that was given. It is spoken with such specific definition as to what to look for so that all of mankind, all of humankind can come forth and pinpoint who Christ is. And it's spoken with such definition so that it cannot be made untrue. See, when you have such definition and you can validate that through what happens, when you see such detailed accounts of what is to come and then you can put proof to it, it's impossible to prove false unless you just throw wind and caution all towards and say, well, none of it's true. But we know through science and archaeology and all sorts of different things that all of it is true. We can find recollections of names and places and times and locations. Because we still have an entire population who is devoutly seeking for these prophecies to come true, we know that Jesus is the only one who has ever met each and every one of these. Jesus Christ, a small baby born of a virgin to Bethlehem or in Bethlehem, where kings came before and kneeled and delivered gifts. Who has a lineage dating back to Abraham. He is the only one who meets all these requirements. So as we go this week and as we explain to people what we celebrate at Christmas time, it's not the movies that we hope to go see even though they're fun to go see. It's not the gifts that we wait underneath the Christmas tree, I hope. But it's Jesus Christ the true Savior, who was foretold for thousands of years, who on a cold night about 2,000 years ago was born to a virgin in a small shepherding and budding community of Bethlehem, who was so insignificant in size and shape, that his own people who had been searching for him for millennia overlooked him. But yet kings from an entire different culture and society from thousands of miles away knew to look for him, what to see, and came seeking him. We wonder why there's so much fear in this world. We wonder why there's so much misconceptions because everybody's looking for all the rules that we've tossed. Everybody's looking for all the ways to live and all the get quick uh, rich schemes that Christianity puts out nowadays or how God will bless you how you want to be blessed. Instead of simply looking at the words that God has given us and simply looking at the simplicity of the answer he gave us in Christ. While there are a lot of different ways to conduct ourselves and ways that we are called and things that we're to do as time goes on, the delivery of the Savior comes simply so that all can understand it. How can he be a gift to all if nobody can understand it because of how complicated it is? So please take this message and share it with those who don't believe. Share it with the fact that over 3,000 years worth of prophecy was fulfilled in a single evening. Take them back to these scriptures. Explain to them that this author wrote 2,000 years before this author, and this author wrote 300 years after this author. And they're all different authors, they're all different people who had different experiences in God at those moments, and God was speaking through them at different points. To continue the message of who the Savior was to be. Give proof to why you believe what you believe. Because Jesus Christ answers everything we were told to look for. And here's the facts of it Old Testament tells us specifically to look for a descendant from David's throne, to be born of a virgin. As miraculous as that is, it's pretty easy to define. It's funny how no one else really talks about having virgin births. To be born in a small community in the middle of no place, Bethlehem. And have kings from distant lands come before and recognize him for who he is, the king of all the world. Take those prophecies of Old Testament and line it up with the Christmas narrative that everybody's going to be reading probably. As much as people don't understand it, Christianity is the base of why we celebrate Christmas. We can try to change it all we want inside our society, but I guarantee the narrative story will be heard. But if it isn't put with the proof of what the prophecies were and why it is so important that we understand the narrative of the nativity, it becomes very easy for people to wash it away as just being another story. It was the night before Christmas, and all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a. How many people are elf on the shelf fans? Yep, there's probably a lot of us. I had a creepy one given to me when I was a little kid that scared the living daylights out of me, so when they came up with the cartoons, that thing was out the door in an instant. <laughs> I don't do good with clowns and stuff like that, sorry. A lot of things I'll take on in the world, but not a clown, sorry. comes down to we've put so much effort into learning all these other stories and we, we can talk to people and we can share that, but yet we won't share the nativity and the truth that lies in it, the strength that lies in it, the hope and the joy and the salvation that comes with it. But our truth, our faith and our salvation is anchored in prophecies that were told for 3,000 years. So the night before Christmas is about 125 years old. The concept of Santa that we all understand from little kids on is only from the Middle Ages, from the Dark Ages, from St. Nicholas. 3,000 plus years of prophecy answered in a single evening is an easy story to give when we look at the facts that we're looking at versus trying to understand all of it at once. Deliver that message to people this week. Share the nativity and the joy it brings you this week. When you come together with family, rejoice in the lineage that you come from. Just as Christ rejoiced in the lineage he came from. Deliver a story that has more clout, more strength, more ability to change a life than anything else we can put out there. On Christmas Eve, instead of reading the night before Christmas, read the nativities. If you're speaking to other kids, share the nativity with them. If you're speaking to people at work, share why you believe that Christ is who he is. The one gift that nobody in this room can not afford to give to everybody else that they know is the gift of Christ. I heard a quote from an atheist, and I've shared this once before, but I'm going to refresh your memory, that he never minded when people who believed in Jesus Christ shared the gospel with them. Because he took it this way, that if you truly believe that God is God and Christ is your Savior, then... You, in the honesty and the truth of what Christ tells us to do, should share that story with everybody because you believe it is their salvation wrapped in that story. And to withhold that from anyone is to withhold a great amount of love. So in short, if as Christians we do not share the gospel, if we do not share the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ with others around us, with joy in our hearts and with, a, with an excitement behind our words, then we're proving to them that we truly don't love them because that which we hold most dear to us as Christians, we're ready to withhold from others. Christmas is our one time that everybody else is looking to Christmas trees and sharing gifts. Share the gift that matters. Share Jesus Christ with them. If you don't know who Jesus Christ is, If you're not sure, you buy into the 3,000 years of prophecy foretold and answered in a single night, please come speak to me. But when we look at 3,000 years of people saying this is what we're to look at, God speaking to people saying this is what I'm sending you, watch for it. And see it answered in Jesus Christ fully, completely, not only at birth but all the way through his life. Maybe that's what it took to convince you. So today, as we're closing, pray. Pray that Christ comes into your heart. Pray that you understand him for who he is, the simplicity of the message that comes with it. If you're already a believer, be ready to pray that with those people this week, that they may understand the simplicity of Christ and accepting him. and Let's worry about all that other stuff after that. The gift that we offer is simple and it's not wrapped in duct tape. It's easy to get to. So let's make sure we make it easy for them to find it. Amen? If you could please stand as our worship team comes forward. I do want to pray about a couple things here real quickly. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we just ask that during this season of peace that you relieve fear in hearts. There seems to be a general consciousness of fear in this world. For there are many things that are unknown, but Jesus Christ, you are not one of them. You are our Lord. You are our Savior. We accept you in that simplicity of a small child born that answered all the prophecies that an entire people we searching for. Lord God, we thank you for giving us the ability to understand who you are. Lord, we reach out to the young man that was shot yesterday. I don't know what his condition is. I don't know if he's okay or not. But Lord, if he's still with us, we ask that you place a healing hand and that he may know you and that whatever happened may help change his life to serve you greatly. Lord, we ask for the person who shot him that you enter his heart or her heart. Let you change it. To do great evil unto each other, Lord, that's Satan's will for us. Let us escape at this season. Let your peace and your joy reign out throughout all of this community, all this country. And let your sense of peace come upon us that we may know you and have comfort in who you are and what your will for us is in the ever- everlasting life that you give us. Lord, let us share that joy with those around us. Let us have hope in our heart for the continuation of your will and the coming of your kingdom. All brought to us through a tiny baby born in a small community named Bethlehem. Amen.